Welcome to the We Shape Podcast. Hey, girl. Hey, hey. Another <laughs> week, another another episode coming to you live from the We Shape headquarters. <laughs> <laughs> Fulfilling my dreams as a news anchor. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You must have had a long day today. You kind of sound quirky already. Uh, it's well, when we record these in the afternoon. You guys know that I, I, I go, yeah. I go down. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's almost 3 p.m. Yeah. It's bedtime. You guys, oh, we're so okay. sleepy. We're so sleepy all the time. <laughs> okay, so I want to check in. How's everyone doing? I'm doing really good. Yeah, we're just wrapping up a crazy week and then about to take a family vacay. So looking forward That'll to the vacay so for fun. sure. Yeah, I know. Where I'm are you guys going? We're going to Nashville. Heck yeah, you're going to go to Dollywood, right? We're going to go to Dollywood. Love My it. brother and his wife just moved there, so we're going to go see. And I've had a lot of people say, what is Dollywood? And I look at them straight in the eyes and say, it's Dolly Parton's theme park. <laughs> you Actually, gotta go. I believe what you mean to say is, I beg your pardon. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we're done. I'm done. I'm, I'm leaving the show. We're Dolly. I'm out. Yeah, yeah. We're Dolly stands. We'll be in Dollywood. See you guys later. <laughs> Um, no, I'm excited about our guest today. I'm going to jump right in. This yes. is actually one of my favorite topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about intuitive eating and body image and guilt and and all the things. And um, you know, I I. I feel like I've been really unraveling a lot of this stuff myself. And what I've noticed is that it's very difficult to kind of face it. But then once you face it, like the amount of power and liberation you get to like remove your, it's like all this like energetic weight that sits in mm. on your shoulders of like thinking about food all the time. And just, we just don't even understand how the, the system of, and, and the information that we're given is, is in so many ways like, really toxic so and there's some layers to this one yeah right. there's we some made layers. some jokes before the call and i was like ha ha ho oh, oh, oh <laughs> yeah. a little bit of deep pain there let me we're just, just gonna face yeah. a lot of pain oh, um no but it, it it's helpful to talk about because i i tell everyone a lot like in my own experience just having awareness and opening the door to some of the beliefs and the narratives are are the very first step and often really the biggest step in allowing a different story to take place Mm -hmm. and that different story actually can be very liberating and very freeing so uh, I want to get started let's do it uh, I'm gonna pass, pass the computer pass over because you're the, the bio. I'm the bio queen. reader. That's what yeah. I. It's my special job. Uh, I'm so excited today. We have Saskia with us, and she is an intuitive eating, body image, and mindfulness coach who helps women start eating without guilt and shame and step into a totally new way of relating to food, their body, and their worth. Saskia sees, seeks to highlight the oppressive nature of diet culture and supports her clients to listen to and trust their inner wisdom of their bodies. And with that, we get to welcome Saskia. Hi, Saskia. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. We're so excited. And you're with us from Australia. So thank you for, it's like the morning there right now, right? It is. It's the morning for me. So I'm, I'm fresh. It's actually the morning of tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I'm living in your future. Exactly. It's very good here. Yeah. <laughs> is it beautiful there? Is it the future bright, Saskia? <laughs> it, it's so bright. I mean, not as bright as going to Nashville, but it's, it's bright. It's bright. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're so happy to have you. Welcome, welcome. Well, I always like to start with uh, better understanding our guest story. So maybe we could just open by, you know, we'd love to know how you got to where you are, uh, how you how you're doing the work that you're what brought you into the work that you're doing. So maybe just start by sharing your story. And, and, and then I'm sure this conversation will have a lot of layers that will unfold for sure. Yeah, always, always a lot of layers to this story. I think I had, I would say, a pretty good relationship with food in high school, which is surprising because I know that's when a lot of people start dieting. I didn't have a great relationship with my body, but food was quite good. 
But when I finished school, I lost a pretty significant amount of weight and I spent the next 20 plus years maintaining that or trying to maintain that, which meant I had a very, very restrictive relationship with food, a very intense relationship with exercise. And I think it really, most of the time that I did it, I was doing it myself, as in I would discover a diet and do that myself. And I was very strict with myself. But when it got really bad was when I joined a gym and I started an eight-week challenge. And this was the first time where I was really given an eating plan. There was weighing myself daily. There was, you'll know the names of it, but, you know, standing on one of those machines that spins around and tests your uh, body fat and gives you all the other measurements. And Mm. I just became then incredibly obsessive and then I got myself a personal trainer who also gave me nutrition support and I started macro counting and that for me was when I really hit diet bottom I was so obsessive about hitting all the marks and I was weighing my baby spinach at that stage Mm. And yeah, it was intense. And I had a little girl at the time. And I remember doing this meal prep on a Sunday and seeing her there in her high chair eating with me kind of weighing out my baby spinach and thinking something about this is just not right. Like this isn't healthy, Mm. even though I was I never, I was never diagnosed with an eating disorder. All my friends just thought that I was incredibly healthy. I was always like right. Suskia, the healthy one, Suskia, the fit one. And so that kind of sparked something in me, that moment with my daughter. And then when I turned 40, I remember having this experience of being my birthday, looking at myself in the mirror not in a body checking way, but very much in a like looking in my own eyes kind of way and thinking, oh, it's my birthday today. I've got this birthday cake. I better have a small slice. And if I have a small slice now, I'll have to have something different for dinner and I can't have it tomorrow. And just this, this thoughts. And suddenly I just had this overpowering sense of this is, this is, this is not good. I, I cannot be doing this when I'm 50 something has to change like I have to do something different and I cannot continue doing this for another year five years ten years and so then after that I went on a exploration as to what I could do differently I mean I'd never even heard of intuitive eating I'd heard of every other diet but I had never heard of intuitive eating so I started working with a coach and as I started reading about intuitive eating and learning more I my I was just like my mind was blown and I just became so interested in this work that then I kind of changed the whole trajectory of my 
career and retrained as an intuitive eating counsellor and as a life coach. And now I work with women helping them heal their relationship with food and their body. Wow. That's amazing. You know what pops up for me real quick? I just yeah. want to say this out there. I just want to, I want to personally apologize on behalf of all the coaches for running weight loss challenges and, um, you know, the, teaching people nutritional things because, you know, this is this is a, a, a big part of my past was um, doing those sort of things. And, and at the time, you think you're you're helping people. But as time goes on, you start to realize, oh, my God. We are, we are not helping people. You're making people either more neurotic or if they don't accomplish whatever it is that you're trying to set forth, um, you're giving people more reasons to be shameful and want to, um, you know, kind of curl up in a ball and feel bad about themselves. So anyways, just want to, I want to like personally apologize because I know that um, I've been a part of that system before. And I think it's something that we need to highlight and we need to make sure that people realize that there's, this isn't all you know positive impact there's a lot of negative impact happening yeah absolutely i want to personally apologize too because i know that i shared all my quote unquote tips with all my friends as well Mm. i was Mm. always the person giving out advice about how to lose weight so we really do think that it's the healthy way to do things i mean i remember like you guys know we were all together at the time but like when we would do like our cheat day on the weekends and like we were like cheat day like we're so healthy during the week i was fantasizing about food i was like writing things down in my notes app in my phone of like i'm gonna eat that on saturday it's gonna be so good we spend the whole day eating making ourselves essentially sick and thinking like i'm crushing it like i'm so healthy right now because (laughs) everyone around you is doing it you're like absolutely this is normal this is great and now we look back and go oh dear god well and that's the piece i think is really important to highlight you mentioned something powerful is like um if you're not doing anything like this or and you haven't been exposed to it or you haven't ever tried it then you're constantly feeling bad about yourself because you're not like the people who are achieving Mm -hmm. and then if you're the person who's achieving people are rewarding you but they're rewarding the dysfunction and it doesn't people don't realize we're all just praising dysfunction in a lot of ways and it takes a lot of courage to step back and examine that and go this is not working. I need to do something different and try something different. So, you know, kudos to you on that side of things too. Yeah. And, and you know what you're saying about rewarding dysfunction, the, the most compliments I got about my body were at the times mm. when my eating was most disordered, which is why complimenting or quote unquote complimenting weight loss is such an issue because you just don't know what you're, as you said, rewarding. And it was an incredibly mm-hmm. dysfunctional relationship with food. And I was like, okay, I, that's what I get rewarded for. Let's do more of let's do more of that. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. And I think there's something I really want to highlight as well that you said about intuitive eating. You're like, I had heard of every other diet. Like you've heard of all of them. They're in the magazines, they're on the cover, whatever, celebrities <laughs> doing this diet, that diet. You're like, I've heard of that one, I've heard of that one. But intuitive eating, which arguably is how we really are all meant to eat, and as children, <laughs> Like we are I'm hungry, I eat food. I need energy, I, I have a snack, whatever. Like that's not at all intuitive <laughs> like it, it ne- you need to be coached and taught how to do this yeah I mean I was laughing the other day. even the idea I even think it's weird that we have this idea of three meals a day like it just the the, the fact that we like eat around like by the clock is kind of weird to me it's like we don't we're basically what we're trained to do is look for signals outside of us that tell us what to do with our body mm-hmm. and it's like whoa 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 
basically, what we should be doing, in my opinion, is looking internally and feeling internally and using that as our as our metric for how we make decisions. And if you think about how we work with young children, it's all centered around don't listen to yourself. Here are the rules. This is what we do. It's always taking them away from that. Like I, I was laughing even the other day because I was about to eat dinner and my five-year-old said, can I have this popsicle? And I went to say, absolutely not. It's about to be dinner. And then I stopped for a second and I said, why are you going to say no? And then I told her, I said, some of us are going to enjoy those popsicles after we eat this dinner. If you decide that you feel like you'd like to enjoy it before dinner, that will be your choice. But a lot of us are probably going to have some after. So what works better for you? And I watched her and she sat with it and she said, I'd rather have it when everyone else has it. I said, that's your choice. But I took the power out of the food and out of the rules, Mm -hmm. right? Because the more we we say no, the more power it is. It just, I was like, I want to, how do I de-escalate this power struggle that's about to happen right now so that we don't continuously have these debates around food because it's just first of all it's obnoxious to be dealing with that as a parent all the time and it's like my (laughs) need to control every little thing is just I'm annoyed with myself but like second what message is that giving her you know it's like I want I don't want the foods to be labeled good or bad I just wanted her to recognize that like we're about to eat dinner and like I'm gonna have mine after but if you think you should have yours before like who said that the other way like who made that rule up this brings up she looked at me like I was like who's my mom where did my mom go (laughs) Yeah. yeah Who well, are you? This brings up the theme I heard you saying beforehand, right? You said the phrase "more is caught than taught," which is fantastic because um, that's a pops. My phrase. father-in-law yeah. pops says "more is caught than taught." It's such a beautiful phrase, and I think it's a good place to maybe examine the experience you had and the experience you're having with clients. Is you know, I think that oftentimes people think that they just show up in the world and they're just making these decisions out of free will, but most of the time it's an inherited pattern that we're conditioned to do, and we haven't spent the time to examine whether or not it's serving us. So, well, I yeah, I mean, honestly, when you were sharing your story, that was kind of one of my first questions is what prompted the weight loss after high school like what happened in your life that made you decide to or need or like lose weight so pick a question and answer (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I'll, I'll answer that question first I think probably it was a really you know what it's like when you finish school it's a very transitional time friendships were changing I wasn't quite sure what was happening. You were going from this sort of safety of school. So I, I I feel like when I look back on it now, it was probably an attempt for me to control something that I thought that I could when everything else felt a bit out of control. So mm-hmm. that's that's what I would I think now. I mean it may have been there may have been other layers to it, but that's the main thing that stands out to, for me. And then in answer to the question about what happens, you know, when we grow up, absolutely. I mean, that's where for most of my clients, the main messaging around food came from. And of course, it's added to over time. I I often explain it like a backpack. It's like we start off with this empty backpack, which has no food rules in it when we're initially born. And then over time, all these different rules just start to kind of go into the backpack and fill up and mean that we're carrying around something very heavy all the time. So it might have been things that your parents said. It might have been something that your grandma said. It might have been something that one of the teachers at school said and then friends and then things you read in magazines and things you heard from other books. And so, yeah, it all adds up over time. And one of the things I often do with my clients is get them to write all of their food rules down and we examine where did you first learn that where were you first told yeah that carbohydrates were bad 
Um, and my food rules was, I mean, it was a mess. It was pages and pages, pages long. And so many of them contradicted the other because when I started dieting, I was in the low fat phase. Um, but then, of course, I did all these other things and they contradicted it. So in the low fat phase, skim milk was what I was meant to be having. But then when I was in my whole foods phase, it was all about not having anything processed and having whole milk. And then in my non-dairy phase, I was having soy milk. And so I just couldn't make a decision about anything. And then you're like, soy milk has phytoestrogens. Yeah. Now you can't have that. You're just like, I'm reading my list and I'm just going to drink water. At the end of the There's day. no winning. That's the thing is the, the goalposts are always moving in diet culture. Always, always moving. And so it just became so difficult to eat. And so, yeah, so when you break down those rules and you actually start thinking, where did this come from? A lot of the time, the, the, the big messaging we have around food and bodies comes from our families. Yeah. It's I mean, I just have to deal. say one thing really quick. Yeah. It, it is pretty funny when you think like for this decade, this was the diet. Then yeah. this, and then we always think we found the one. It's the but next like, thing. But like we don't think about it as like this, there's going to be another one. We're like, no, we, we figured it out in 2023. We're done. And it's like, no, no, no. But look at history. It, it's never over. Um, and yeah. that is maybe a question we can, we, a topic we can go into at some point, because I do want to talk more about sort of the model behaviors that we pick up and, um, but just this idea, like, how do we, how do we know that intuitive eating isn't just another fad as well, right? Like, so, um, because like, I guess I'm like, how do we, how do we know we're on the right path for our own physical and emotional well-being? I think there would be, you know, I would have that and, and maybe intuitive eating is the next popular thing but maybe it's the thing that we need to be going to because it is that it is the like most emotionally and physically healthy thing for us but I think it's probably important to ask that question too given historically <laughs> how there's just different you know things that become popular yeah I think that's a great question and it is funny how diets do just change over time I think it's a bit like fashion you know it's like this yeah. is this is something and then you look back and think oh we wouldn't we wouldn't wear that anymore. That's weird. <laughs> never. Um, never. So, yeah, it's like definitely like that. I think, oh, look, I think there's a few things to say here. The first thing is intuitive eating is very, very, very misunderstood. And if you go to Instagram and look up the intuitive eating hashtag, it is a mess in there. It is a oh. lot of people talking about intuitive eating for weight loss or intuitive eating as in your cheat day because that's being intuitively led one day a week so there's lots of stuff in there that's quite confusing <laughs> and so a lot of people do just think wow well intuitive eating is just another diet or they think that intuitive eating is just eating when you're hungry um, and stopping when you're full which is really that's a that's kind of just a diet in in a way because it's it's still got quite strong rules around it um so the first thing is i think that people can turn it into a diet if they don't understand it properly but then in in relation to the question of is it just another fad i think the main difference with intuitive eating is that it isn't based on anything external 
So all the other diets out there are based on some set of external rules, whether that's about calories or macros or the time you can eat or the portion sizes. This is about coming back to the inner wisdom of your body. So this is something that looks after your physical, your mental, your emotional health, because we have all the answers inside of us and we just unlearn how to eat over time. So I don't think it can be a fad when it is what our body is telling us. So we are the expert of our own body. I don't tell my clients how to eat. I'm leading them home again to their mm. body. And mm. I think that is the difference. And there's also um, a huge amount of research around intuitive eating. So there are over, last time I looked, there are over something like 160 research studies about intuitive eating, which show that it increases self-esteem, it increases um, positive body image. So there were all these things around it, which we actually know are supportive of our emotional health and our mental health, psychological health. So that would be That's my That's helpful answer. to understand sort of like all the different ways that intuitive eating could be uh, misunderstood. Mm. And so I think that's really important information for us and also for our listeners because if we're talking a lot, we talk a lot about intuitive eating here. And um, if they're going on social media, they could be led down a path that m might not really stem from the true intention of intuitive eating. So mm -hmm. I appreciate I appreciate the clarity around that for sure. That's that's really meaningful. Um, I'd love to go Can back. Can I ask a clarifying yeah. question yeah. before you move yeah. on? So, so um, I, I love what you said. I'm going to echo what you said there. I think it's really important to make sure that when we say intuitive eating, we understand what that means, right? And I'm hearing you say that intuitive eating brings us back to deeply listening to ourselves and letting that be the wisdom by which we guide our nutritional choices through. Um, that being said, uh, as I have continued to grow as a person and, and um, develop a better connection with myself, you start to see how few people have spent a lot of time really developing a connection with themselves. And so how do you bridge the gap between someone who's, I'm doing intuitive eating, and they just allow themselves to eat whatever they want and they're guided by you know, you know, satiation and things like that um, versus someone who's really actually listening to their body and really saying, hey, how, like I'm, this is what my body's you know, wanting and how I feel afterwards, et cetera. Like how do you bridge the gap between those two different things? Because I think somebody could tell themselves I'm intuitively eating and be completely misleading themselves. Mm. I think that's a good question. Um, I would say in the early stages of intuitive eating, there is it is very important to give yourself a lot of freedom in those early stages and it's certainly i do think a lot of people think that you know they're, they're going to have freedom in the early stages and then something's going to happen and they're going to have rules put in place there wouldn't there, there aren't rules that are put in place but i think you brought something up really important which is intuitive eating is also about how this food makes your body feel so that is another question you're asking yourself. How do I want to feel after this meal? When I just ate that, how do I feel now? And is that how I want to feel? So that's, that's kind of the question as well. It's eating, knowing that, does this make me feel good? After this, do I feel how I want to feel? Do I feel 
energized? Do I feel satisfied? Um, and so I think that is an important part is the how does it make me feel? Because it's not going to make you feel good to eat apples all day, every day. And it's not going to make you feel good to eat chocolate all day, every day. So it's, it's, it's that sort of question that you're asking. It's and less I, about like, what do I want to taste? What am I using to satiate something? Because for me, like I, I'm like a, I guess you could call it a binge eater and an emotional eater at heart, right? And um, so I would, you know, reach for something when I feel like, oh, there's a feeling. Oh, or maybe I'll have a cookie and stuff that feeling down. And I could see someone really easily saying, oh, I'm intuitively eating. But really, if you examine that on a deeper level, it's me going, oh, let me like mask my my pain with something outside of myself because I'm not asking the question, how do I really want to feel with what I'm eating? I'm asking, what do I, what do I want that sounds satiating to, you know, in a more deep way, numb that pain? Yeah, look, it's, it's a complicated one, this one, because emotional eating is something that is really demonized in diet culture. Mm -hmm. And sometimes eating can be supportive for us. There are times when we eat in a way that mightn't be supportive for us but eating and food is something that can be comforting and it can be mm -hmm. one of the things that we have in our toolbox so if it is the only thing that you have in your toolbox and the only thing that you're using when you're feeling overwhelmed <laughs> is cookies that mightn't feel very supportive but i even noticed recently that i was feeling really angry and i went into the kitchen and i was like i just want corn chips and I didn't even eat that many, but there was something about the kind of physical crunching down on this corn chip that actually felt really good. And I was like, oh. I love that. Um, so, and so I think th this is one of the things that happens to people is they get really scared about ever eating when they're feeling emotional. And eating is emotional. Like there are lots of times we eat to celebrate, we eat to comfort. There are there are parts of it which are emotional. So. It's, it's a complicated, um, or maybe I should say it's nuanced. So it's not just this thing of let's never eat for emotional eating, be, uh, for emotional reasons. That is, that is part of intuitive eating. And it is also part of intuitive eating to eat simply for pleasure sometimes and simply because we like the way it tastes sometimes. So there are lots of different reasons why, why we might eat and emotions and pleasure may be some of those. You know, it was funny when we're you, all so much to say. Yeah, bit, when, like when, I'm going to go eat a damn cookie right talk. now. <laughs> when, when you and I were first, I mean, this is what we've been doing is intuitive eating I was since say, we started the experience. Yeah. Like share your experience of your own personal journey. Okay, one person talk at a time over you, here. You go, girl. Well, mine's short. I, I'm a pretty speedy talker. So I'll say like my experience has been in my little intuitive eating journey, which has been less than a year now, really. Um, is that I did kind of go off, you know, God forbid, off the rails in the beginning. There was no, you know, rules. I had taken my food rules out of my backpack, ditched them on the sidewalk and said, I'm not doing this anymore. And so for a while at the grocery store, I was buying things that I normally wouldn't buy. I would tell myself, you're not allowed to have that or whatever. And so I bought those things. I ate those things. It was really fun. I enjoyed that. My body fluctuated a bit here. It fluctuated a bit there. And then over time, through kind of its own natural process, I sort of started reaching for different things. 
And um, I'm just kind of allowing that to happen. And so for me, that experience is like the pendulum kind of swung a little extra far into a space that felt, oh, these are foods that, that are bad. I'm not supposed to have them. But I'm like, I'm allowed to do that. I'm going to do it. And then it kind of swung back to center, I want to say, where I feel like I choose foods now because they do make me feel satiated and are palatable. And also they feel make me feel good after I eat them. Yeah. No, I mean, similar. I, I think that when you go down this path, I was a huge, I, w- I was, I was similar to you. Like I was like, it has to be fit in this category. I did a lot of, um, uh, I would say disordered eating disguised as wellness. That mm-hmm. was my mode of operation. And so there was a lot of praise for that. Uh, we were running a company that was promoting healthy foods, stuff like that. Um, and so I kind of thought like, I can't break the rules. It like felt and like it just felt so uncomfortable to break the rules. And so um, one of the things I started doing kind of naturally, which I just am now realizing, is when I go to eat something and then a thought comes in my mind, I actually just stop and then I just try to check in and say, is that a rule? Or are you basing this decision on how you feel right now? And just that pause most of the time it's a rule <laughs> and then I go you just have the damn bagel for breakfast um but it's like do you know what I mean it's like like just taking a moment to pause and understand where the thought is coming from for me personally has been really helpful because most of the time those thoughts are not coming from a place that's really derived from an intuitive my body's gonna feel good when I eat this I'm gonna feel like I have some energy to start my day it's usually coming from a rule mm-hmm. and um it's actually really liberating to get past that fear of like what happens if I break the rules. Uh, I was even telling you last night that it just is so freeing to not worry about that stuff anymore. So it takes I a just, lot of mental bandwidth to constantly manage and maintain I, and deal with the emotional I, so much. Of I just, I literally cannot even believe how much weight I used to carry around food rules and uh, just, I, I can't believe I used to do that. I love what you said about the backpack because, like, it's a heavy yeah. backpack. Yeah, oh. I, I was going to say that too. Yeah. Write down everything. I was thinking about that when you said that. I'm like, oh my god, it would be pages. E- even if you're not following the rules, yeah, I might not be following just, them. It's another layer of guilt. So it's just, it's <laughs> like, it's like you were never winning in that situation. Yeah. yeah. The backpack was just getting heavier and heavier. Whether you were following the rules, whether you were breaking the rules, it didn't matter your mind is just clogged with toxic belief systems that that you don't even realize because it's just inch by inch. And then it's validated by everything around you. So then it's normalized. So then you never question any of it. And then it's just like this whole downward spiral. I think we want to, I would like to go back too to what you said about your experience with your daughter. And I know that you and I have had an experience along those lines as well when we watched your daughter get bigger and start noticing things we were doing and going, oh no, this isn't good. She's kind of picking up what we're doing with food and the way we're dieting together and et cetera. And rather than initially say, this is a bad call, let's stop doing it. We're like, well, we'll just be secretive about it. We'll just like oh, yeah, we talk our about our diets, diets in like behind a closed door. And we're like, <laughs> wait, this is so messed up. No, I remember the day we were talking about something, we're going off and we look over and she's just staring she's at us, like just staring at us. And then uh, she went and played or something. I said, Nina, we got to talk. I said, girl, we, we got to do this in my room now. Which like, be secret. We cannot. <laughs> Let's use secret language while we're talking about <laughs> our disordered eating. Code speak. Yeah. <laughs> we cannot talk about our diets in front we of We understand Ellie. that we're disordered, but we're going to keep doing it but as long as our weird, kid doesn't see it. But what was weird is actually we did not understand that we were. No. Mm. But there was something inside of us that said... We knew we were suffering from these belief systems on some level that we knew at some level we just didn't want her to suffer from them. Mm. So we knew enough 
but like it wasn't it, it just it was such a crazy experience to look back on and be like we'll just go cl- close the door like oh can you, Tyler can you watch her while we go do our diet we're gonna go <laughs> talk about how we're not gonna eat white foods you know yeah. <laughs> but you had a similar experience and so like you're raising a daughter mm-hmm. I, I don't know how many children you have but you're definitely raising a daughter you mentioned her like how do you model intuitive eating and and do you feel like she's picking up on that how is that working for her Mm, yeah, so I've got one daughter and she's nearly nine. And when she was little, I was like, my rules were so strict. I mean, I'll be really honest that in that phase, I would judge other people for what they fed their kids as well. I remember seeing someone give their kids like a chocolate bar and thinking, oh, that's just terrible. And I used to get angry at my husband for bringing, bringing home too many sweets things for her or like buying her a cookie when they're out um and then I mean I karate chopped a Starbucks barista one time when they tried to hand my toddler a cake pop I'll admit that straight up like karate chop it was an an air chop it was an air chop I didn't make contact with the barista they're probably looking for you somewhere like there's a wanted poster on their Starbucks window there was a like I had no control of my arm, but it did. It was an air. It was an air chop. But it anyway. I, I feel traumatized. Like, yeah. I need. I need the CCTV for footage of that immediately because I've got a great image of you just <laughs> air chopping. You've been eighty six. <laughs> um, so look, when I when I started doing it, first of all, I was just doing it myself and kind of learning how to understand what was happening for me and improving my own relationship with food. But it's really had such an incredible impact on, first of all, the the level of stress in our house around food, mm. like eating and meals and food and asking about food. It means that it's so much calmer in the house. There's less stress and tension around food and eating. And there's a sense that food is not good or bad or healthy and unhealthy and I think her relationship with food now is so I mean I don't want to use the word healthy because that you know but it's 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 calm she has an easeful relationship with food and Mm. yeah I I see I see such a difference in her than how I was when I was growing up and I see a real difference in her and her friends too so we had we had soccer training the other night well I didn't she had soccer training with a big group of eight and nine year old girls and I I brought a bag of I don't know what you'd call them in the US snakes you know like jelly snakes Oh, like gummy worms. Gummy Gummy worms. Yeah, Yeah, gummy worms. And I bought them online, so I accidentally had this huge, like this huge packet of them. And (laughs) I opened them and said to the girls, you can have two each. And they literally like basically attacked me. Like they they just swarmed at me and kind of ripped these, these things out of this bag. And my daughter was standing there kind of staring at them like, whoa, this is just out of control. And I could hear one of the girls say, I'm never allowed these at home. And she was just so desperate to have them. And so this this sense that when we prohibit kids from having food, when they get access to that food, they are going to feel really out of control around it. So, yeah, there's a there's a calmness around food in our house. And I feel calmer around it. And I feel like she's really empowered. She's really empowered to trust 
and listen to her own body. And that's what that's what's so important for me. We're not creating a relationship with food that they have just today. This is how we are creating a relationship for her to have with food when she's 20 and 30 and into her adult life. Mm. What a beautiful aspiration. I just want to repeat what you said. You said an easeful relationship. Yeah. What a what a beautiful way to look at this I took because an exhale when Yeah, I heard yeah, that. when you say the word healthy, like you're saying it's like bad or good or you know, like there's always this black and white thing that we get caught up in that makes us feel a certain way, but if we have this easeful relationship, that's like, "Oh, I'm going to have the cookie and it's easy. Oh, I'm going to eat this this other thing that I feel like my body needs. Great. You know, and it's just, it just feels a lot more. I could, I could feel that in my body when you said that word easeful. Yeah. And just like creating the neutrality around it too. Mm -hmm. One of the next experiments I'm going to do, I haven't told you about this yet. So hopefully on the same page, are there lots of rules in this experiment? (laughs) Uh (laughs) Is I actually, um, am going to put like when I want to start putting like all the food on the plate at dinner, including like a cookie or a sweet thing on there too, just so that it like this, I hate that power struggle between like, the, the dinner comes first and then the sweet comes later. I don't know why that's been bothering you gotta me. You got to take those rules out of the backpack, right? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But like just this idea of like, I feel like being having the dessert after, it gives it like a different type of power. And then we use it as power during the meal to be like, well, if you do this, then you can do that. And, and so like a, it's like a reward mechanism. Yeah. So it becomes, and so like yeah. I was I was actually going to begin experimenting with just putting it all on the plate and just do what your body says, you know, and just let it be what it is. Should I just eat my cookies before dinner? <laughs> I might try that personally <laughs> in my own house. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely something that is is used a lot is putting the dessert on the plate. We don't do that in our house just because we all kind of eat together and I don't necessarily want my sweet thing on the plate with my dinner, but if your ice cream's like melting yeah, into your yeah, broccoli. Exactly. <laughs> but you're absolutely right because if you say to kids you need to eat all your vegetables before you have your dessert. Well, it makes the vegetables seem like this horrible thing, this horrible, terrible thing that you have to eat in order to get the dessert. So it sets up, as you're saying, it sets up this like, wow, okay, dessert's like really this high level thing. And there's this, it's not neutralizing the, the food. So I think that can it's be really well powerful. Intended. It, it's well it, intended. Yeah, it right? is. I want you to have nutrition <laughs> and then you can have a fun food. But it, it comes from still a place of don't listen to you, yeah. listen to me. Well, it was funny. My parents came over for dinner last week and my mom brought these really delicious cookies. Oh, yeah. And she was like, oh, can the kids, you know, I brought these for the kids. I hope that was okay. I'm like, that's fine. And then the older one looked at me and said, can we have one now? And I said, sure. And, and I think this is a great experiment for parents because they looked at me like, wait what like we can have this before the the dinner that's on the way and i and i said yeah enjoy and so like if you're a parent and you and, and a child asks you that and you say yes and there's a big reaction like i can <laughs> that's like pretty indicative that there's like a certain sort of labeling or judging or energy mm. imbalance between around you, food you started filling their backpack up from a young age <laughs> yeah right so yeah. i was like let me take the brick out of the backpack just go ahead and eat the cookie before dinner like i just but just to see their reaction and so lately i've been trying to to not have the rules and and just teach moderation and like of course I don't want my kids eating 25 gummy bears before dinner because you're gonna feel sick but I'm also trying to take the power away of the gummy the gummy bear power the cookie power I'm like 
sure, you could have one now. Sure, no I big deal. Like you a know? T-shirt that says "Cookie Power." Though. Yeah, just make <laughs> a note of that, everyone. <laughs> but but we ha- but it's it's this power that we give it, and then children want that power, and so it's like I've been trying just to practice this more n- food neutral approach, so that it's not necessarily good or bad. And I have so many nutritious foods in my house, and some that are just more fun, and they're gonna get enough of both. So it is what it is. And know? the reality is, like we said already, more is caught than taught. So if you want your kids to have an easeful relationship with food. You got to figure out how to have an easeful relationship. Oh, with food I ate the cookie too before dinner. Them, you know, yeah, yeah. it was delicious. Um, so, just a, a, another question I wanted to ask because, um, again, I feel like the most important part from my perspective of this intuitive eating is is teaching people how to have a connection with themselves, teaching people how to come back to themselves. So you'd mentioned unpacking beliefs, uh, you know, unpacking the backpack, so to speak, which by the way, that's my favorite part of this conversation so far. It's a great Because one. I think so many people think that growth is learning more, and most of the time it's unlearning yeah. what you've already learned and letting go of those expectations and rules you've put on yourself. But um, you know, how do, how do you help people come back to themselves? Mm. There's lots of different ways. I think part of it is, starting to become more aware of the inner sensations of your body and some sensations in our bodies we wouldn't ignore like if we need to go to the bathroom we would most likely if we had access go to the bathroom because we don't judge that but when we have Mm. a sensation that comes up in our body of hunger for example we've probably been taught over time am i really hungry maybe i should just have some water maybe i should just go for a little walk you know we second guess it or we ignore it or we repress those feelings so over time it can be harder to sense them so part of it is getting people to start being aware of how certain things show up for them in their body so for example I think a lot of people think that hunger only presents itself in their tummy and that hunger for them will be like an empty feeling or a growling kind of feeling in their stomach. But actually, hunger can present itself in so many different ways and it's quite unique for everybody. It might be one of the biggest things is just thinking about food, having lots of thoughts about food, It might be that you start to notice a dip in your mood or a little bit of a headache or some people get a pulling sensation in their throat. So there are all these different ways that it presents itself. So I think it's about people relearning all this stuff because once upon a time we did know it. So we're we're unlearning a lot of stuff and we're relearning. And then what does fullness... I don't know anybody who's grumpy when they're hungry. <laughs> I don't know anybody uh, in this table who's grumpy when they're hungry. Definitely not us. <laughs> I've, never, Sorry, I've, never been, I've never been grumpy when I'm hungry. So, yeah, same, same. Um, and the same with fullness. You know, how does fullness feel in your body? And what does pleasant fullness feel like in your body? What does unpleasant fullness feel like in your body? What does neutral fullness feel like in your body? So it's all about kind of this experimentation process where we're trying to understand what that feels like for us. And then what does satisfaction feel like in our body? How do we know we're satisfied by what we eat? And everyone describes that quite differently. One of my clients the other day, after reflecting on this for about a week, was like, I don't know, I kind of just want to dance, you know, and she kind of just shook her body a bit. And for her, 
satisfaction feels like a little dance and for some people it feels like a kind of warm feeling or it's like ah oh, that that final piece of the jigsaw has just been put in and I feel complete after this eating experience so I think a lot of it is becoming more aware of those sensations learning what they mean to you checking in with yourself more throughout the day so being more mindful of um, how you're feeling during the day and that's also like how you're feeling emotionally throughout the day so checking in and saying what's going on in this moment like how do I feel am I feeling pleasant unpleasant or neutral you know what emotion is happening so yeah that that kind of checking in is an important part of the process too and I and I think you're saying a big thing too it's like it, it, it took us years to unlearn these feelings inside. So it's going to take us some time to learn how we can connect and feel with like what our body is telling us as well. And so I often like to look at these things as more of an experiment. Like what would it feel like if I tried this? Or what would it feel like if I looked for this clue? Or what am I noticing about my body? Or what am I noticing about my thoughts? And um, I yeah, I, I really appreciate this topic because I feel like food is such a messy, complicated, layered uh, necessary too. Yeah, like you yeah. can't be like, oh well, I have a hard time with that, so I'm just gonna like be abstinent yeah, from yeah, it. Like yeah. you gotta eat. You, right? you cannot like go to the gym or something like like plenty of that. Yeah. You, you're gonna eat no yeah. matter what. You've got certain things you have a hard happen. time with. You know, if you have a sub whatever, like you yeah. can remove those things from your life, but this is not one of them. Yeah. So it's messy, and I I know we can talk about this for a long time. I know we have to wrap. Um, can I ask you just one good. more question? You can ask one more. I know. I know. We we could keep going, but um, I'm just I'm just curious. Like for people listening, we're talking about mindfulness in our relationship with food. And I can only imagine that somebody taking the time to ask themselves these questions, to examine their beliefs and their rules and develop a deeper relationship with the subtle sensations of their body. I can only imagine this has a major impact on so many other areas of their lives. So I, I don't know if you've seen that, but I would love to just hear from you. Like when you work with clients, you know, are they just changing their relationship with food or what else do you see happening? Uh absolutely so much more it is it is so interesting to see what happens when you start understanding the inner messages of your body and what it's trying to say and also when you start trusting yourself more because it's not just about hearing the inner messages it's also about trusting them and that self-trust can start to filter into all different areas of your life and you're also looking at so many different things like things that come up with clients are around people pleasing and all or nothing thinking and perfectionism and binary thinking and so once we start to sh- are you describing all of our ailments at this table <laughs> over here or what's going I feel, on i feel really seen. <laughs> yeah 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 it's uh all of those i mean i feel seen too it, you know hands up they, they're all in my past or still present um and so yeah and so much of the time my clients will say do you know i i literally thought this was just going to be about food and my body but it is about so much more and once you start to see something in your life that isn't serving you and once you start to pull back the layers of the onion you start to see all these other things that are not serving you so for me it really has been one of the biggest catalysts for further 
self-growth and personal development because it it made me see things but it also allowed me all this time and space and mental energy that wasn't available to me before because I was mm. weighing my spinach. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Takes up a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah. Well, I really appreciate that. And, you know, what you said is exactly what we say here in We Shape, which is people come to us for a workout and I'm always like, oops, surprise. It's so much more so than a workout. So I really appreciate all the insights you had today. And I really hope that we can open people's minds and bring awareness to uh, some of the freedom that is out there in, in their relationship with food. So uh, thank you so much. We have had, clearly we don't want to wrap the episode because we just want to keep going. Can I ask one? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I have a hundred more. <laughs> but we really appreciate your time. And tell us where people can find you. Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at intuitively.eaten. And you can also go to my website, which is suskiacar.com we love that we'll put that in the show notes as well if people are looking to find you yeah. I'm awesome. going to unpack my food rules backpack later today take so off the that. backpack that I love was that. the thank big you lesson for that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. thank you so much Suskia it was a fun conversation it's been take a pleasure. care thank you Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed today's show. Now, before you go, it would mean a lot to us if you could take a moment right now to subscribe to the podcast and then leave us a review. This helps spread the word so more people can feel lighter by shedding one belief at a time. Also, we want to hear from you. So if this episode impacted you or you have any questions that you think would be great for us or any of our future guests, please feel free to email us at podcast at weshape.com. And finally, if you want to try WeShape's different approach to health and fitness, remember that right now you can sign up for WeShape's Feel Good Challenge and get access to everything WeShape has to offer for free. Just click the link in our podcast description or go to weshape.com slash challenge to sign up.